0: I don't know if you've heard or not, but there's a pandemic out there. And that pandemic is affecting our world. It's highly contagious. Young people get it. Old people get it. No one is immune from it. Some people don't take it very serious. Others purposely expose themselves to it. It preys on the weak, but it can also infect the strong. Parents worry that their children will be exposed to it and be infected by it. Many people try to limit their exposure to it, some even try to hide from it. I get it, it's serious. The pandemic can be deadly. And so we must be cautious because it causes families to suffer and sometimes it can cause them to be destroyed. It disrupts people's lives. It affects your neighbors and your friends. It causes chaos in the world that we live in. Unlike COVID-19, this pandemic means death to those infected by it. Because the pandemic that I'm talking about this morning is sin. The Bible teaches us that the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through our Lord Jesus Christ our Lord. Way back in the beginning, when God put man and woman in the garden of Eden. In Genesis chapter 2 and verse 16, it says, "And the Lord, God commanded the man saying, "Of every tree of the garden thou shalt freely eat, but of the tree of knowledge of good and evil thou shalt not eat of it, for in the day that thou eatest thereof thou shalt surely die." Eve was tempted by the serpent. She saw that the food looked, or that the fruit looked good for food, and she gave it to Adam. The two of them disobeyed God. And because of that, spiritual death entered into our world. Physically, they were cast out of the beautiful garden that God had created for them. And they weren't allowed to go back in. And from that time forward, we see the effects that sin has had upon mankind and the effects that it has in our everyday lives. As I said, it is highly contagious. It affects everyone, including each one of us. When we look at the COVID-19 pandemic, I think that there are many lessons that we can learn from that pandemic that we can apply to the pandemic of sin. Because when that pandemic is long gone, the pandemic of sin will still be in existence. It will still be affecting people's lives and destroying people's lives just like it has from the beginning. What is sin? I want to make sure we understand what is sin. Sin is a transgression of the law according to First John chapter three and verse four. In First John chapter five verse 17, it says, "All unrighteousness is sin. Sin is all wrongdoing. It is wickedness, it is iniquity, it is ungodliness, all that is bad and evil anything and everything that is contrary to what God's will would be for us. If He commands us to do something and we fail to do it or we refuse to do it, that is a sin. Romans chapter 3 and verse 23 tells us that all have sinned and come short of the glory of God if we've reached an age of accountability where we know what is right and what is wrong, that we can determine by, with understanding what, is, what we're supposed to do based upon God's Word teaching us, then we have sinned. And sin has touched all of us. None of us. Myself included has been immune from it. First John chapter one and verse eight. It says, If we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves, and the truth is not in us. And so we need to understand that this is something that is very serious. It's a very serious matter when we talk about sin. We don't like to use that word anymore, and perhaps that's partly preacher's fault because we don't call it out like we should. But sin will cause us to be lost. But the question is that I want to talk about next is, what causes man to sin? Well in James chapter one, beginning in verse 14, it says, "But every man is tempted when he is drawn away by his own lust and enticed. Then when lust hath conceived it bring forth sin, and sin when it is finished, bringeth forth death." So James here is telling me that when I sin, it's my fault. It's because there's something that I want, something that I desire, something that I'm lusting after. That I want, and therefore, there's a temptation for it to be provided to me, and therefore, I go for it, and when I when I accept it or do it, I've committed a sin, and that sin brings forth death. Separation from God. In James chapter 4, beginning in verse 1, it says, "...from henceforth comes wars..." And fightings among you, come they not hence even of your own, your lust that war in your members. Ye lust and have not; ye kill and desire to have it cannot obtain. Ye fight, and war, yet ye have not, because ye ask not. Ye ask and receive not, because ye ask amiss, that ye may consume it upon your lust. Ye adulterers and adulteresses, know ye not that a friendship with the world But friendship of the world is enmity with God. Whosoever, therefore, will be a friend of the world is an enemy of God. James, in both of these places, is telling us that the problem is we want things, we desire things, and so we give in to temptation. We want something that we think is missing. Out of our lives, and isn't that what happened really in the beginning? That Adam and Eve, when they were tempted to eat of that forbidden fruit, they saw that it was—they looked good to the eye. It was appealing for food, and therefore, they were being deprived, and so they took it and they ate of it. Sin sells itself as pleasurable, as fun, exciting, fulfilling. In fact, in Hebrews chapter eleven and verse twenty four, Moses said, or Moses made the statement of by faith, Moses, when he was come of years, refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter, choosing rather to suffer the afflictions of the people of God rather than enjoy the pleasures of sin for a season. Moses understood this pandemic. He understood that he could give in to the temptation, he could give in to the sin, but that pleasure was only going to last a brief amount of time. And how many of us have figured that out over the course of our lives that it looked like fun? You know when someone said it's not going to hurt you, it'll be okay. And you went ahead and you did it. You found out that it wasn't okay. That somehow you felt dirty. Somehow you felt unclean. Something felt wrong. Because you gave in to something you knew that you should not. And it may have been fun for a brief moment. But here's the truth. We choose our sins. We do not choose the consequences. And how true that is. That many times we give in to the temptation, we want something, we desire something, we do it, and then we find out that, guess what? The consequences were not worth the brief amount of pleasure or joy that we got from that sin. When it's done with you, it will leave you miserable, guilty, full of regret, and empty. Think about Judas. He thought 30 pieces of silver would bring him what he wanted. It meant that he had to betray his friend Jesus. In the end, when he was done, he took the money back The people that gave it to him, they didn't want it. That was blood money. The pain of his sin caused him to go out and hang himself. How many people have experienced that result because of sin? The sin of pride caused Peter to think that he was stronger than the other apostles. I will never deny You, Lord. Those others might... But not me. I'm willing to die for you. In the end, when the cock crowed for the third time, the Lord looked at Peter. And the Bible says he remembered his words. Peter remembered the words of Jesus. And he went out and wept bitterly. I wonder how many people have experienced the same thing where we know we shouldn't do it, but after we we do it, we remember the words of our parents or the words of our preacher or the words of the Bible that tells us we shouldn't have done it. Many believe that happiness comes from the pleasures of sin. They do not... Think about the price they must pay. As I've said many times, when you're done with sin, it's not done with you. And sin affects us all. So I want us to think about what we've learned from COVID and how it can help us in our dealings with sin you see, we realize that sin affects young people and old people and everyone in between. In 1 John chapter 2, beginning in verse 15, it says, "...Love not the world, neither the things that are in the world. If any man love the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eye, and the pride of life is not of the Father, but is of the world. And the world passeth away, and the lust thereof. But he that doeth the will of God abideth forever." The problem that we have many times with sin, and this is even for Christians, is that we love the world. We want to be a part of the world. We want to be accepted. We want them to like us. And sometimes we give in to the temptations that are out there. But here we see that the love of the world is what's going to cause a problem in our lives. We can't live for God and live for the world at the same time. And we need to understand that the lust of the flesh and the lust of the eye and the pride of life is where all of the sins originate. God tells us that this world is not going to last. We need to put our faith in God and realize that living a faithful life to Him is more important than being accepted by the world. Because sin will infect us, young, old, or in between, if we allow it to do so. In 2 Timothy chapter 2 and verse 22, Flee also youthful lust. You know, there's a time that we need to run. And here, young people, I want you to understand that that's what the Bible is telling us. That's what Paul is telling Timothy, that there is a time to flee. I've mentioned this before when uh, when, uh, Potiphar's wife was pleading with Joseph to lie with her, to lay and sleep with her. What did he do? He didn't drop to his knees and start praying. He didn't start reciting some passage of Scripture. He fled. He got out of the place. And sometimes that's what we need to do. Not only young people, but old people. Because sometimes when we get old, we kind of get foolish too. And sometimes we dabble or try to get as close to sin as we possibly can, when in fact we need to be fleeing from it, getting away from the influence that's there. And so there's a time that we need to run so that we don't get affected by this pandemic. In Ecclesiastes 12 and verse 1, Remember now thy Creator in the days of thy youth, While the evil days come not, nor the years draw nigh, when thou shalt say, I have no pleasure in them. Start when you're young. Be determined that you're going to serve God. Don't give up on that determination. Remember thy Creator in the days of thy youth. I wonder how many people that are out there today that are advocating that there is no God were taught early in life that there was a God. And that there is a God, but they have forgotten the things that they've been taught. Why? Because it's not convenient anymore. We have to be determined to serve God. First Timothy chapter 4 and verse 12, a scripture that I had pounded in my head by my mother for years while I was growing up. It said, "Let no man despise thy youth, but be thou an example of the believers." in word, in conversation, in charity, in spirit, in faith, in purity. Why did she want me to do that? The answer is quite simple. She realized that even young people can have an impact on people around them. And we need to understand that as young people, and it's not including me at this time, but we need to understand that as young people that you have an influence on people around you. I've always wondered, why is it that the world is so can so easily influence good people to do wrong? Do we not believe what God's told us? Do we not trust His Word to protect us? Brethren, we need to be out in the world... Letting our light shine, young and old. Letting our light shine so that people can see God in us. And we can draw them to our Lord. Mm -hmm. Galatians 5, verse 19, beginning, says, Now the works of the flesh are manifest, which are these, adultery, fornication, uncleanness, lasciviousness, idolatry, witchcraft, hatred, variance, emulation, wrath, strife, sedition, heresies, Envyings, murders, drunkenness, revelings, and a such like, of the which I tell you before, as I've told you in times past, that they which do such things shall not inherit the kingdom of God. I've seen people that have grown up, grown old, and turned away from God. Given in to some of these works of the flesh. So don't think that you're immune from those things and that you can let your guard down because you can't. Realize that you can be infected and take precautions. Some people don't take it serious. You see people out there that realize that there's a COVID pandemic, but they don't take it serious. Others purposely expose themselves to it. Isn't that true with sin? We don't take it serious. And we purposely expose ourselves to it. First Corinthians chapter fifteen, verse thirty three, be not deceived, evil communications corrupt good manners. First Corinthians chapter five and verse six, your glory is not good. Know ye not that a little leaven leaveneth the whole lump? Sin can affect us all. And in fact in the church at Corinth that he's talking to. There was a man that had his father's wife. And Paul said, put him away. It meant withdraw fellowship from him. Why? Because a little leaven leaveneth the whole lump. When we're sinful, we have an impact on someone else. We hear on the news where people intentionally expose themselves to coronavirus. How many expose themselves to sin because they think that it won't harm them? Oh, one time won't hurt. No one will ever know. It'll be okay. Don't worry about it. They get just as close as they can to it. It's not going to get me. I'll be okay. When you're done with sin, it's not done with you. It preys on the weak. It can impact infect or infect the strong. In first Peter chapter 5 and verse 8, Peter says, Be sober be sober, be vigilant. Because your adversary, the devil as a roaring lion, walketh about seeking whom he may devour. We have an adversary that's out there to get us. And I've watched enough wildlife programs to know that. A wolf or a bear, whatever it is that's pursuing an animal, sees a herd, he may see the herd out there, and what does he usually pick? The animal that's got a problem. The weak animal. It doesn't go... I watched not too long ago a Yellowstone documentary and it showed wolves going after bison. It didn't pick the biggest bison. The whole... whole, uh, a herd of uh, wolves. They didn't. They didn't pick the the strongest bison, the one that was out in the lead running. They picked one that was weak, one that was slower, one that was struggling. Why? Because it's easy prey. The devil realizes that there are people that are weak. God also realizes that there are people that are weak in the faith. And Paul says in 1 Corinthians chapter 8 and verse 9, "...but take heed lest by any means this liberty of yours become a stumbling block to them that are weak." There are things that are lawful. But the strong Christian realizes there are things that he's willing to forego if it's going to cause someone to stumble. Paul realized that meat offered to an idol was nothing. Because that idol was nothing. And it was okay to eat that meat. Now, it would be a different story if they said, if you eat this meat, you're accepting the idol. That would have been a different story. But he realized that meat was nothing. That that idol was nothing. But he also realized the weaker Christian would stumble if they saw him eating that meat, and he was willing to give up meat, if that's what it took to keep that brother from stumbling. What would we give up to help a weak Christian? First Corinthians chapter 10 and verse 12. Wherefore, let him that thinketh he standeth take heed lest he fall. You know, sometimes we think that we're strong and we can withstand anything. It'd be okay to go to this place. It'd be okay to associate with these people. It'd be all right to watch this on television. It'd be all right to read this when we know we shouldn't. But we think that we're strong enough that it's not going to have an impact on our lives. Think about television, for one. Forty years ago, you wouldn't have seen a gay couple on television. Nowadays, you see it on every program, just about every program. It has no effect on us. How many Christians now will say, well, I don't see anything wrong with it if there's two people in love? Christians, when we know what the Bible teaches. Does sin have an impact on us? Should we get close to it? Parents worry that their children will be exposed to it and be infected by it. Big debate on whether schools are going to open or stay closed. Whether universities are going to have homeschooling uh, where you do it over the Internet or you're going to be on campus. Parents worry about the COVID virus, but how many parents worry about their children being exposed to sin? I'd venture to say most parents understand that. If they have a, a conscience and understand what we're supposed to be as parents, they're concerned about what their children are exposed to. But the Bible tells us in Ephesians chapter 6 and verse 4, Ye fathers, provoke not your children to wrath, but bring them up in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. You see, it's not someone else's responsibility to teach your children. It is your responsibility to teach your children. As a father, you have the responsibility to bring up your children in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. Now yes, there's a lot of parents that aren't doing what they're supposed to do. A lot of fathers aren't living up to this responsibility, but that's what we're supposed to do. That's the responsibility that we have. And so we see that there are things that will lead them astray. We want them to avoid those things and we try to encourage that and we try to show them that. And we say don't do that because God doesn't want you to for one. but we also know the harm that they can cause. And so the father has a responsibility to train that child. In Proverbs chapter 22, verse 6, Train up a child in a way he should go, and when he's old, he will not depart from it. I had somebody tell me one time, you train a dog, you don't train a child. I don't know. When I'm training my dog, I kind of repeat the commands over and over and over and over and over. And if you're a parent, you've told your children a hundred times, don't do that. Don't go there, don't associate with those people. You say it over and over and over and over and over, and they get tired of hearing it. But isn't that what we're supposed to do? Train our children. Matthew chapter eighteen verses five through six and whoso shall receive receive one such little child in my name receiveth me. But whoso shall offend one of these little ones which believe in me. It were better for him that a millstone were hanged about his neck and that he were drowned in the depths of the sea. What's that telling us? Not only do you need to train your children with words, but you need to be an example. You need to let them see That Christ lives in you. How many of us are concerned with our children and sin? It causes marriages and families to suffer and sometimes to be destroyed. Ephesians chapter 5 and verse 25 Husbands, love your wives, even as Christ also loved the church and gave himself for it. As husbands, we're to love our wives. And it says here, as Christ loved the church. And we know that Christ has never done anything that will harm the church. And that's the example that we have as husbands to follow in loving our wives. In Colossians chapter 3 and verse 18, wives, submit yourselves unto your own husbands as it is fit in the Lord. That word submit is one of those words, you know, it's a bad word in our society. Especially when it's applied to wives. Because there's something wrong, you're archaic, there's something bad about you. If you say that a wife should submit submit to her husband. But that's what God's plan is. And that's the problem that we have in our world today. Husbands aren't being what they should be. and Wives aren't being what they should be and when they have children sometimes they're not being what they should be as parents Matthew chapter 5 and verse 28 but i say unto you that whosoever looketh on a woman to lust after after her hath committed adultery with her already in his heart no harm in that it's fun might be pleasurable might be exciting might be fulfilling how many husbands have stepped out on their wives and said, well, my wife's not doing what she should do. She's not fulfilling my needs. And so the temptation is to look somewhere else. And it ends up breaking that marriage and destroying that home. Jesus addressed that in Matthew chapter 19, and verse 9, when He said, Whosoever shall put away his wife except for fornication and shall marry another committeth adultery. And whoso marrieth her which is put away doth commit adultery. God intended for man and a woman to be married for life. Not until you got tired of the other one. Not until you saw something or thought you saw something better. It was intended for life. sin is so pleasurable. It's fun. It's exciting. Ask a home that's been destroyed because a husband or wife stepped out on their mate. Ask David, King David. It might have been fun that night with Bathsheba. Exciting and fulfilling. But look at the price he paid. Even in the home, children are expected to obey their parents. In Ephesians chapter 6 and verse 1, children obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. You see, God wants all of us to live up to our responsibility husbands, wives, mothers, fathers, sons, and daughters. Sin disrupts people's lives. And it's caused chaos in the world. In Genesis chapter 6, beginning in verse 5, it says, "...And God saw that the wickedness of man was great in the earth, and that every imagination of the thought of his heart was only evil continually. And he repented the Lord that he made man on the earth, and it grieved him at his heart." Can you imagine the world getting so bad that God repented that He made man? But that's how bad it was. And so it started with Adam and Eve, their sin, and it had continued on to the point where everyone had been affected. And they were wicked and evil. And God destroyed them. In Romans chapter 1 and verse 21, beginning, it says, Because that when they knew God, they glorified him not as God. Neither were thankful, but became vain in their imaginations, and their foolish hearts were darkened. Professing themselves to be wise, they became fools. You can go on and read the rest of those verses that I have on the screen. But the point is, when we leave God out of our plans, there's always going to be chaos. There's always going to be problems. Homes are not what they're going are supposed to be. Society will not be what it's supposed to be. And in fact, if you read that list of things that are mentioned there in Romans chapter 1, the Bible tells us there that they're worthy of death. Not only those that do it, but those that take pleasure in it. Think about that. When we replace God's way with a sinful way, our world becomes filled with chaos. There's something else that I've learned from COVID. When many people try to limit their exposure, some even try to hide from it. As I said earlier when I preached this the first hour, this is probably where I'm going to get in trouble. But I like consistency. I've known of people that have pretty much, you don't ever see them. They don't come to church, they don't go out of their house. But I've known of other people that supposedly take COVID serious and they go everywhere else except church. People need to be consistent. And that's really part of our problem with sin. We're not consistent. We worry about sin over there, but then we expose ourselves to it over here. Sin is deadly. When COVID is long gone, sin will still be around. I understand that people that have certain conditions need to be extra cautious. I understand that. But I hear those same people that tell me that. They're being cautious because of some condition. That's why they're not at church. I see them at the store. And I see them in other places. Sometimes with masks, sometimes without. Sin is deadly. How consistent are we in trying to limit our exposure to sin? Ephesians chapter 2 verse one says, "And you hath he quickened who were dead in trespasses and sins. What's he saying? that at one point we were dead. we were separated from God and when we obeyed the gospel it brought us to life. and being brought to life in Christ means that we are to avoid sinful practices. In 1 Peter chapter 2 and verse 11. Dearly beloved, I beseech you, as strangers and pilgrims, abstain from fleshly lusts which war against the soul. In Psalms 97, verse 10, beginning, Ye that love the Lord, hate evil. He preserveth the souls of his saints, he delivereth them out of the hands of the wicked. How many of us abstain from fleshly lust? How many of us hate evil? How many of us know what evil is? Proverbs chapter four verses twenty three through twenty seven Keep thy heart with all diligence, for out of it are the issues of life. Put away from thee a forward mouth, and perverse lips put far from thee. Let thine eyes look upon or right look right on, and let thy eyelids look straight before thee. Ponder the path of thy feet, and let all thy ways be established. Turn not to the right hand nor to the left. Remove thy foot from evil. What's he saying? He's telling me I need to be careful what comes out of my mouth. I need to be careful what goes into my eyes. I need to be careful with what my feet take me to. I need to be cautious. I need to be prepared. I need to hate evil. I need to avoid fleshly lust. All of those things are important. As it says in First Corinthians chapter fifteen and verse thirty four, awake to righteousness and sin not. For some have not the knowledge of God. I speak this to their your shame. We need to wake up. We need to understand that living a righteous life means something. It's not just assembling here on a Sunday, it is living the Christian life every day. James chapter one and verse twenty one. Wherefore, lay us apart all filthiness and superfluity of naughtiness and receive with meekness the engrafted word which is able to save your souls. Put that stuff away. Get it out of your life. Take sin seriously. You see people out with masks, seen them with gloves, seen them with face shields. They do things to try to prevent themselves from getting it. You go into the store, you'll see plexiglass all over the place. Try to separate the customer from the employee. All of that is precaution to try to prevent COVID. Did you know God's given us some gear that will protect us if we will put it on and wear it? In Ephesians chapter 6, Beginning in verse ten, it says, "Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of His might. Put on the whole armor of God that ye may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. For we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness in high places. Wherefore, take unto you the whole armor of God that ye may be able to withstand the evil, withstand in the evil, in the day, evil day, and having done so, or done all to stand." and supplication for all saints. God's given us protective equipment that helps us in this battle against the pandemic of sin. That if we will put on the whole armor of God and use that armor, then we will be protected. But I want you to notice it's not enough just to put on the armor. It's not enough just to put on the protection. He tells us that we need to pray. We need to talk to God to help us. We need to be watchful. We need to watch, be on guard for sin that may come into our lives that influences us and we give in to the temptation and we sin and it leads to death. Why do we need to protect ourselves? Why do I need to put on this gear? Why do I need to pray and watch? Because I have an adversary, the devil. And as a roaring lion, he's walking about seeking whom he may devour. The good news is this. There's a cure. In 1 Timothy chapter 1, and verse 15, this is a faithful saying and worthy of all acceptation that Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners, of whom I am chief. Paul realized that Jesus came to this earth to save those that were lost. John chapter 8 verse 24, Jesus says, I say therefore unto you that ye shall die in your sins, for if ye believe not that I am He, ye shall die in your sins. Jesus made it possible for us to have a cure. We learned from Romans chapter 1 and verse 16 that the gospel of Christ is a power of God unto salvation. We learn from Mark 16, 15, and 16 that we're to go into all the world and preach that Gospel to every creature. Those that believe it and are baptized will be saved. Those that don't believe it will be damned. That Gospel, according to 1 Corinthians 15, chapter verses 1-4, through is the fact that Jesus died for our sins according to the Scripture. And that He was buried and that He rose again on the third day according to the Scripture. It's His death, burial, and resurrection that is that good news. He died for our sins. He paid the price so that you and I and all those in the world could have salvation. And in Galatians chapter 1, we learn that there is no other Gospel. There's only one Gospel. And Paul says, though we were an angel from heaven preaching the other Gospel, let him be accursed. There's only one gospel, and that's the gospel that has the power to save. There's only one cure. That cure is Jesus Christ. How do I obtain that cure? Well, Romans chapter Acts chapter twenty-two and verse sixteen tells me, "And now why tarryest thou? Arise and be baptized, and wash away thy sins, calling on the name of the Lord." And I think I mentioned it last Sunday. When we talked about Romans chapter 6, that baptism represents the death, burial, and resurrection of our Lord. But look at what it says there in the very first verse. In Romans chapter 6, beginning in verse 1, it says, What shall we say then? Shall we continue in sin that grace may abound? God forbid. How shall we that are dead to sin live any longer therein? Implied in that passage of Scripture is that there's supposed to be a change in our lives. That when we go down in that watery grave of baptism and we come up out of that watery grave of baptism, we are a new person, a new creature. We've been washed in the blood of Jesus Christ. In John chapter 19, verses 33 through 35, it says But when they came to Jesus and saw that he was dead already, they brake not his legs. But one of the soldiers with a spear pierced his side, and forthwith came there out blood and water. And he that saw it bear record, and his record is true. And he knoweth that he that saith true that ye might believe. In Jesus' death, He shed His blood. And Romans chapter 6 tells us that we're buried with our Lord into His death. And it's in that burial when we come up out of that water, in that burial, we come in contact with the blood of Christ. Why? Because we died to sin. And we rise up to walk in newness of life. That's secure. We repent. In Romans chapter or Acts chapter eight, and verse thirty-six. We find that there was a confession that was made, because it says there, with Philip and the eunuch, as they came to a certain water, it said, "What doth hinder me to be baptized?" And Philip said, "If thou believest with all thy heart, thou mayest." And the eunuch said, "I believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God." And they both went down into the water. Both Philip and the eunuch. And he baptized him. That's the cure. It's very simple. And here's the amazing thing. I hear people that say, if they come up with a vaccine for COVID, I'm not going to take it. I heard on the news this morning as I was driving in that the standard is going to be As long as the vaccine protects 50% of those that take it, it'll be accepted. Here's what's really amazing. We have the cure for sin. 100% cure. But there are people that reject it. They don't want to accept it. They would rather have some other cure. Pray this prayer. Say this after me. They don't do what the Bible says to do. Whose cure is better? You see, we have to be faithful. We have to overcome all the things that we face in this life. But in case you didn't know, there's a pandemic out there and it's called sin. Have you done what is necessary to be saved from it? If not, why not now, while we stand the same?